Hello, friends. Today, we have recorded for you a very special conversation with Liz Cottrell and Emily Kaiser from Living Books Library. We feel extremely blessed that they shared their time and story with us, and we delighted in the opportunity to speak with them about this important work. While we were recording, however, we did have some internet interference, and in a few places, you will hear that. That said, this is a wonderful conversation, and we cannot wait for you to hear it. Hello! You are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Meet the Librarians, a card catalog project at Plumfield and Pidea. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masaryk, and we have some special guests today, Liz Cottrell and Emily Kaiser. Liz and Emily, it is a profound pleasure to welcome you onto the show today. We have known of you for a very long time, and uh, this is kind of an exciting opportunity to be able to meet you and hear your story. So thank you for joining us today. Yes, it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. So happy to be here. All right, so I'm drinking tea. Liz, you said you're drinking tea as well. What are you drinking? Just some iced tea. It's orange tea from Trader Joe's. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See, I, I live in Wisconsin, and it's not that warm here today. So I'm drinking hot cinnamon spice. <laughs> Very different than uh, I think you guys are in the South, right? Yes, and I have a sweater on because I'm in my room where all the air conditioning gets trapped. Oh. So it's actually quite cold in here. <laughs> but you don't have any tea. I don't have any tea. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I wish I did. Diane, are you drinking tea? Yes. And what are you drinking? Well, it's mushroom tea. Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that one time. Have you? It was pretty good. Yeah. Orange sounds kind of boring, but it was actually <laughs> blood orange, so it's delicious. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, that, that's more, that's exotic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, ladies, this podcast is for a wide variety of people. Mostly the friends who listen in are moms, moms in the trenches, um, predominantly homeschool moms, lots and lots of homeschool moms with littles. And also librarians and budding or wannabe librarians. And we started this podcast because so many moms had been reading our blog for almost the last decade. And they said, can you please make it easier for me to access with my little kids running around, all my homeschool responsibilities? I just need to be able to put you in my ears. I don't have time to read. Can you please put me in your ears? And so after many years, we felt that this is where God was leading us to. I know that so many of our listeners actually listen to your podcast and love it. And mm. so uh, I, when we've told different people that you were coming on today, all of them are like, oh, my goodness, that's so exciting. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we specifically today want to talk to the women out there who think that someday they might want to be librarians. We want them mm -hmm. to... Mm -hmm understand how it is that you came to do these things that you're doing and what advice you would give to those. Um, the young mom who's not ready yet, she's just not, her life is complicated right now. What are the things that you would recommend that she could or should be doing so that when she is ready, she can be off and running? What are the things that you wish you could have told yourself if you were going backwards and doing it again? So tell us, tell us your story. How did this all get started? 
goodness. Well, because we're two generations. And so it's a little different for both of us. But why don't you start, Mom? Well, I was going to say you could just wait till your oldest is grown up and then employ her to do the work. (laughs) (laughs) I should tell you that my daughter is producing our podcast. So she is listening in right now. There you go. My library would not exist if it were not for Greta. She she does all the library thing aspect of it. (laughs) It is a lot of work and it, it, um, having help is tremendous. And Emily has done 90% of the work, I would say. (laughs) Uh, But it it was my um, extreme gift to be living in the same town as Michelle Howard back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I had heard about her library and I thought it sounded wonderful. But because I don't drive, I had to wait till I had homeschoolers who could drive before I could get there (laughs) and participate. (laughs) And so um, when I joined her library, I had a senior and a sophomore in high school and a fifth grader and a crazy two-year-old. So, (laughs) um, and I I just want to encourage all the moms that have littles that it, it, it probably never will be a convenient time, but there are things you can do right now to get started. And I had to be kind of pushed into it, um, unwittingly, actually, almost. (laughs) Um, So my kids loved the library. Getting those wonderful out-of-print books was Mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But within a couple years of joining her library and using it, we ended up moving across country and left Michigan and came down to Southwest Virginia. And we left, that was one of the sad things that we had to leave behind. And so our, when we first got settled, all of a sudden my little homeschool library of books seemed a little pathetic for what I needed. And so one cold, it does get cold here occasionally winter (laughs) night, we walked to the local library, which was near our home at the time and went in and came home and cried because the offering of books was just not anywhere near what I felt I needed at the time. So that led me to begin collecting the kind of things I needed. Yeah. And this is a long story, actually. I'm going to try to (laughs) telescope it. (laughs) No, tell it, tell it. (laughs) Just just tell it all. We want to know all of it. (laughs) So I did um, begin adding bookcases and collecting books and, Uh, Emily had recently graduated from college, was living at home, and I think a few months later, there was a local library sale at that same library. The books they were selling were wonderful and nothing like the books they had on the shelves for people to actually Mm -hmm. borrow. Mm -hmm. uh I mean, they had a few good ones, Mm -hmm. but Emily, we kind of dragged her into it. She wasn't even that fond of the whole idea of of homeschooling at the time. Not at all. Yeah. She, but I love to read. So I went happily to library sales to collect books that I wanted. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. But one day she, what was it? You found a Cornelia Miggs book. Was that the beginning? Well, you had given me Jan Bloom's Who Should We Then Read? Right. Because I said, 
the list of these authors in here would be yeah. the kind of things that I want to find. Right. Exactly. Yes. She wanted me to help her and I didn't know how. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had the eyes, but then we also had my young, mm. you know, seventh grade daughter with us who was 12 and she just went along the rows of books and started snatching things and saying, Oh, this is the kind of book that Michelle has in her library. <laughs> and so then, and and then Emily started reading some of them. And before the end of that week long sale was up, I think Emily made multiple trips back and forth and we suddenly had more and more boxes of things. And so that was kind of the beginning. And then wow. one day we came home from somewhere and there were piles of boxes that had been delivered and they were all on our big front porch. And someone had anonymously shipped us 42 boxes of wonderful out of print books. <gasps> yeah. What? Wow. They had an inkling that we were on this path and I think they knew we needed a nut. <laughs> so that's why I said I unwittingly got into this. It's more like a kick than a nudge. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because then it was the gift of abundance that we right. couldn't just keep to ourselves, right? Especially when we knew what right. was not available to other people. And we were in the midst of a large homeschooling community, but no one that really was using mm-hmm. living books in any, they were just using traditional school at home curricula that we knew. Because they didn't know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They just yeah. didn't know better. Yeah. Um, so that started us collecting and, and then um, we of course got more regularly into contact with Michelle Howard. And she put us in touch with two other ladies, one who had planned to start a library in Northern Michigan, and then just family situation changed. And she was selling off her whole collection. And we, she put us in touch with her like the day before her sale. And she just read us titles on the phone. I mean, this is long before smartphones and digital cameras were convenient and we had dial up internet, you know? Um, And so Kim would read us, titles and we would say yes we want and basically going off of jam blooms like authors or ones that we personally knew um and she shipped us tons of books right and then another lady had also i think did kimberly live up near traverse city for like a winter or summer or something and then got the bug and she started a library in southern michigan um a long time ago. So we were on the phone daily with her, like just sharing everything that we were learning. And so we had a community of librarians um, helping us out at the time. So we were definitely not the first knew we needed to share. Then the, the really big crunch happened and you know, it, it really has been God just leading step by step. We didn't know, we didn't have any plan. We had no basement mm-hmm. like Michelle had that we could even put books in. They were in all the rooms of our home mm-hmm. in different bookcases. And pretty soon mm-hmm. my very generously tolerant husband got used to walls of boxes of books in our bedroom. <laughs> it was a great decor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as Emily said, we were becoming more convicted that the world, the children needed these books and they weren't ours to keep that most of them had come to us so amazingly that it was obvious that it wasn't just for our own use. Um, And so around this time, the same person who'd been selling off her books that we had gotten an initial great hoard from, she decided to also 
get rid of her whole five in a row collection. Oh, wow. Um, All her boxes of books that she had curated for those titles, she had decided to also sell. Which is really like that is not even doing the story justice. It was totally God's timing that mom just called her to get tips on how to put together the boxes. And she said, I've held on to these for like five years. I've not wanted to get rid of them. And I just went yesterday to my storage unit and there. I'm about to list them. <laughs> yeah. on as like, I called. Right. And as so, she, oh you know, when, when God orchestrates right. things like that, you just keep moving in. So then I went to my husband mm-hmm. um, and the other part mm-hmm. of the story is that my first wedding was coming up, second daughter um, in like two weeks. And so you know what it's like if you've ever planned a wedding. You don't have a lot of extra cash laying around to purchase such things. And she did have a fair price on this collection. And um, so I went to my husband and said, can I sell my precious guitar um, so that I can buy these preschool books? And, of course, he said, sure. (laughs) And... And what was the more amazing is there were several families traveling from northern Michigan for the wedding who volunteered to carry them. So we didn't even have to have them shipped. So it oh. was really incredible. Oh, my goodness. So she got married and we spent the rest of the summer <laughs> prepping those books to go out. And that's how we opened our library. Um, we were able to open it just three months later because we had um, sold the idea five in a row. We went around to like all the homeschool group meetings in the area. Uh-huh. She had shipped us one box so we could sh- do a demo and we got was it 11 initial people and then the 12 signed up like the week we opened. And th- with oh, that wow. funding, we started buying library materials to, you know, cover all mm-hmm. of our other books. And Emily yeah. was exploring yeah. Dewey Decimal and wrapping her brain around all that. So for a while, we just had stacks of books. And then yeah. all of a sudden we'd say, oh, I don't think this kind of book goes in the 300s. It must be. Uh, a mm-hmm. 600. <laughs> I literally learned Dewey by looking them up in Michelle's database. And yes, that was another blessing that, you know, we were able wow. to get her database that she had at the time. Um, she was the only other library that we knew of. That was operational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so mm-hmm. basically we opened with only the five in a row program at first, because on top of all this, we were moving out to a farm property. <laughs> and so we couldn't even begin to not a farmhouse. <laughs> oh no. A farm property <laughs> that had a 900 square foot building on it that six of us lived in with our couple thousand books that grew oh. to like 8,000? I think it in was. Year, two, less than two years that we lived there. And when she says building, it, it means just maybe the nicer yeah. side of shack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we quickly remodeled it, some necessities <laughs> to make it somewhat habitable. But we and went into it and literally divided up right. room areas with back-to-back bookcases. So our house really was the library with, you know, yeah. the dining table was in the history section and the living room was where the literature. That was its only saving grace is that it was just a big open room, basically. Right. Yeah. And the bookcases actually helped us keep yeah. our sanity because it sort of divided up that space. So we lived there. About a year. A little less than, was it only a year? I thought it was less it than It seemed like a really long time. It was, it was yeah. 
but it really was not very long, but we grew from having like, I think maybe 18 <laughs> families when we moved out there because it was in the middle of our first year to 50 mm-hmm. or was it 35? I'm getting numbers, but like it grew exponentially, and we had 8,000 wow. books when we left and we, we moved into the house that became available next door because we couldn't take the little building any longer, but we had, I think it was 50 families. We were open three days a week. Yeah. We had to move furniture out of the way so people could even access the bookshelves in this tiny little building. And I was just mortified that these people were coming to this tiny little shack um, to get books. And it was 20 minutes from town. And people would walk in and they would just jaws drop open and they would go, it's so beautiful. But it was just the books. The books were beautiful. And Emily was very perfectionistic about labels. So the the neatness and the cohesiveness of everything (laughs) was impressive. Um, And she spent all her time, this is out in the country. There was no possibility of direct uh, internet. It was very tedious, frustrating, old fashioned connection. And, but she spent all her time uh, sorting and cleaning we used to have parties remember when we lived in that little shack we would curate certain friends and we we'd move them up through the tiers of responsibility so when they came in the first job we would give them would be scraping labels off of books (laughs) and then when they could do that responsibly then what was the next step you would they marked out like previous library ownership marking but and taped pages and then um i maybe let them learn how to put a dust jacket cover on and only my sister who's 10 years younger than me mm-hmm. um only her ever did the laminate you know archival laminate took me out so i'm the only person who has ever put a label on any of our books no one else has um and so they are all very uniform, which is what so many people notice. But I, and actually part of the story of how God orchestrated the library is when I was in college, I had a work study grant and got hired to work in tech services in our library. And so I didn't, I didn't know anything about cataloging or Dewey Decimal, but I would get that information and then I'd have to put it into the system. And then I did basically everything else to the book before it went out to the shelf. Hated the job actually. Yeah, well, it was really oh, wow. um, inconvenient hours that I had to work there. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I learned all that and then completely <laughs> forgot like four years oh. later um, that I even had these skills. And then, oh, I know how to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, God was preparing you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when things have been hard and we have had, you know, some hard things happen during our library years, I think this um, summer is mm-hmm. our 18th year, Emily. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, we had a flood suddenly in the midst of our library. Um, and so we've had to move the library, I think, four mm-hmm. times now, mm-hmm. which When you're talking twice while I was pregnant (laughs) and when you're talking four or 500 boxes of books, that's a lot of moving and work and resetting up all the bookcases each time and all of that. So, um, but I don't think we would have endured a lot of those things if we hadn't known these early parts that God definitely was leading us to do this. And there's been Mm -hmm. so much ministry to families through this library. Um, I mean, and I I could go on for hours probably of story after story of moms who came in 
a little glassy eyed, didn't know how to homeschool, didn't know what a living book was, who are now actually running schools for homeschoolers and things like that. And there's, I mean, the, the fruit, I don't even probably know the half of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we won't, right? This side of heaven, we'll never know. But, but we know enough to know that this is valuable. We know enough to know that we're not laboring in vain. That's what really matters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should say we didn't lose any books in the flood. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) ask. Yeah. Uh, We had a small army of volunteers. I just started calling like our longtime patrons and just said, we have to get them out today. And um, a bevy of children just sat like shot vacuuming out water that was literally a fountain out of this old chimney that was not oh. even in use, but the water, it was so the ground was so saturated. It was just forcing its way up this chimney and spouting out oh. like so close to the ground, we couldn't put a bucket under it. Yeah. So it was just like a little pan and they just kept sucking that out for 12 hours. And my newborn oh. who was two months old just sat in his car seat wow. like the entire day. I think I fed him one time. Um, totally happy. Um, in this, oh. in, yeah, I mean, just, I'm just, we didn't have boxes. That was our biggest thing. We were just like, you know, sending everybody to all of the um, stores and go buy boxes at Lowe's and they ran out and tried this other location. Um, And all of the the liquor stores around, you know, with the small boxes that they just get rid of. Um, So, and just, we got everything out and we only lost, um, I think two bookcases. Um, Just the particle board that gets saturated with water does not last after that. But we counter ourselves very, very fortunate. Um, Yeah, it works. And yeah. And so then amidst all of that building of our library, we just started becoming living book evangelists and going to every homeschool meeting. We we joked that where two or more homeschoolers were were there, we were in their midst. (laughs) And... Um, trying to, you know, just cast the vision for what these books were and why they would make a difference in their children's education. Um, and we started doing little seminars, uh, seminars out of the library, yeah. even in that little 900 square foot, um, we had multiple, um, of the same seminar. So we could get, you know, six people at a time <laughs> to sit in the living room and, um, talk about how living books could be used in any type of education, um, homeschooling philosophies. And from that, we then started mm-hmm. our Charlotte Mason nights in the library and out of that came our podcast. So. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And all along the way, you know, many panicky calls to Michelle Howard. What do we do about this or that? You know, we really modeled our policies (laughs) off of her policies. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jan Bloom, we would go to any nearby conference where she was. And I think probably a quarter of the books downstairs in our library now came off of her shelves Yes. And, mm-hmm. and so generous she has her. been over the years yes. and helping us. <laughs> I mean, this, this has is. not been just our family's mm-hmm. thing. God has sent helpers mm-hmm. of all kinds. Uh, Sonia Schaefer mm-hmm. from Simply Charlotte Mason, her and her husband spent two whole days recording us and giving us some videos for our library conference. So yeah, so out of this, I started moderating actually the woman who started the original Yahoo group that I took over and now it's Yahoo groups is not a thing and it's on groups.io. That is the lady who we got our five in a row from she had started that. And so she's like, I'm not even doing library. This doesn't make sense for me to be moderating this. Would you like to do it? Um, 
so on that group, we just, there was, oh, we should get together. Can we plan trips? And we're like, hey, what about this crazy idea? Would anybody come to Southwest Virginia if we did a conference on building libraries? And do we have 24 people? I feel mm-hmm. like 24, like 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25 people. From Washington. The middle of literal nowhere. Washington State. And Texas. And California and New Jersey and, and Kansas um, <laughs> came for like a two wow. day conference and we <laughs> recorded that and Sonia and her business partner really wish they could and it just didn't fit into their time, but they had a, the vision for these libraries as well. And Sonia said, well, what if we came by and we recorded like a couple of the yeah. sessions that people would really need to see? Um, cause we've got the equipment and they just did that just for, just yeah. to help us out and to make it accessible for other people as a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to make it happen. Right. Because that's what so much of this work is really, this is not, um, People don't understand until they get into it that for all of us, this is ministry. It, we're called into this. And because of that, this is never like, like I've gotten requests from people. How, could I could I start a library and pay some people and make an income? I said, we all do this at a loss. <laughs> we, we, we do this at a loss because we believe in what this is. And so when you when you're doing something that is ordained and you're doing it because of the good that you're trying to accomplish, not your own personal agenda or what have you. It comes, the people come together and contribute to that in meaningful Mm -hmm. ways, because Mm -hmm. like you said, it's the evangelism of the living book. I can't even tell you how many times I would pilfer my grocery money to purchase certain books that just became available. Um, Mm -hmm. And it used to be that eBay was a great resource for getting a hold of a lot of these books. In lots, like a lot, Mm -hmm. like, yes. All the Madeline Brandeis or yes. Oh yeah, and those don't exist anymore. Mm. I am four books away from finishing my landmarks. Four books, and I have bought so many lots. I just got St. Patrick, which I've been waiting for for months because oh, I love that one. I know it's Quentin Reynolds. How can you not, right? So this mom though, she saw that I I had five more I needed, and she said, "What are you missing?" And I told her, and she said, "Do you care what St. Patrick looks like?" And I said, "No." She said, "Because I've got it in an ugly library bind." I'm like, "That would be perfect." And she said, and she said, I'm a wannabe librarian. And she said, I'm, I'm probably 10 years away from opening a library and I have it in duplicate. And she said, and I just love, I love supporting libraries. So I'll send it to you. Aww, that's <laughs> so, wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so you had asked a long time ago what you would tell young yeah. moms who were in that position of maybe they're a ways away from um, two things. Well, three. First, mm-hmm. um, read to your kids yeah. and teach them to love books. Um, two, collect as yeah. many as you can. Um, whenever they come your way, don't think, oh, I don't need that yet. And three, this is my most important tip. Start cataloging now <laughs> when you have fewer books. Cat- catalog yes. all the books that come in. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Just a bit so you know you already have it. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do with 500 than 4,000. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I just want to concur with that because the job will never get easier. It only becomes more outrageous the more books you get. Mm. So, and it will keep you happy. Like you're working toward your library and it is the one thing in your life that you can actually do that won't get undone. Unlike laundry and dishes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
I love that. And that's what a young mom needs to hear, right? Is that sometimes it does feel like the jobs that we do are needing to be redone every morning. And to be able to feel like you're building something at your own rate, at the w- in the way that God's calling you to build it, building it slowly and carefully, it, you can lay down a really solid foundation. And include all your children. I mean, it's a wonderful family mm-hmm. hobby. It, my you know, children are all gone now. We've been empty nesters for eight months. We were parents with kids in the home for 42 years. Um, But when my two youngest were little and Emily and I were first collecting, we had to, they were two and seven and we had to drag them everywhere we went and they became Mm -hmm. authorities about what book kind of books we wanted. And they would duck (laughs) under tables and find things that we couldn't even reach Um, and they helped tremendously carrying boxes to the car and all those things. And to this day, you know, they love books and I'm not sure in this culture where every kid has a phone in their hand, if that would be the case, if they hadn't been dragged along with us, you know, and we usually would promise them some great treat on the way home, but you know, (laughs) it wasn't really their preferred way of spending a Friday or Saturday. And, you know, when Emily got engaged, I thought, oh, dear, what are we going to do? And, you know, her fiance was like, well, I just assumed that the library went with Emily. <laughs> Not literally, thanks. But, yeah, he, he recognized that that was going to continue. It's, a, it's in my home, but he has generously all these years <laughs> let her traipse to the library on Thursdays when we're open and, and take up plenty of their space with her processing you know, books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> processing yeah. books. Yeah. And yeah. all of her newborns have sat on the library counter while people checked in and out their books. <laughs> One of the things we did that was probably different at first is we didn't do the beautiful old fashioned card catalog thing much as we love Mm -hmm. it, but partly because of space and also problems we have always already seen with, you know, cards being misfiled. And when you don't have a whole team of people working in your library um, to find books and it's just you or just you and one other person, um, yeah. We just went with barcodes. You and a blind lady. <laughs> One person that had lies. <laughs> yeah, right. I have no yeah, help. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so bar- we barcoded everything and got a little cheap scanner. It was $60 at the time, I think. And we had it mm-hmm. for 17 years. We just got a new one not too long ago. 17 years. It finally bit the dust. Last year. So, <laughs> and that has just been a blessing, really, because then we're able to email people their checkout list so they know what to return yeah. to us. And um, it's helped us keep yeah. track of everything, you know. So sometimes you have to find what works mm-hmm. for your family. You know, um, having a blind assistant is not always the greatest um, thing. (laughs) So, but I do have a good memory and I do like to help moms find the right books and encourage them. You know, I think this has been the passion for me that has come out of the whole building the library and sharing the library with others. You know, a lot of people are fearful of borrowing books that are pr- precious and priceless. Yes, Some of them yeah. are irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I always remembered a story of mm-hmm. Corey Ten Boom. 
when she was an invalid and her nurse was dusting the room and dropped and shattered a priceless porcelain vase on the hearth of Mm. her her marble hearth. And, you know, of course, the woman was just aghast and was fussing about, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so sorry. And all of that. And Corey told her to stop that. She said that vase doesn't have eternal life. And that's kind of the point I had to get to when I was able to share my books with others, because it was one thing to teach my own kids how to care for these books. But the thought of other people's homes that maybe aren't as tidy as mine, other children's sticky fingers and grease marks and all of the possible tearing just and. Emily and I do still wince sometimes when a book comes back damaged. But I mean, honestly, we have been open. We're starting our 18th year of, of lending and we have maybe had to replace 10 books that were like, you know, a dog chewed them up or something. Um, in that time. Um, and none right. of them have been the priceless right. ones. And I, I see a lot of conversations with these new mm-hmm. librarians and it's like, they're, they're holding these things because they know like what treasure right. they have at their fingertips. And it is really hard to open your hands and let that go. But I do remember an early conversation with Kim, um, that first lady yeah. who, and she said, you know, my, my library patrons have become my very best yes. friends. And she goes, I mean, they were not in other extension of her family that she wanted to share the books with. And we, I would say, absolutely have found that to be the same. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and the books come more valuable to us because of, you know, some kid come in and tell you and narrate <laughs> what the book was. And having moms, young moms with little ones now come in and check out five in a row. Um, because they were part of our library when they were young. And they remember these. They they treasured these. Yes. And they're like, oh, this yes. is one of my favorites and all of that. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think it was early days when I saw the importance. And this made everything worth it to me, all the risk that we might have been taking. I, I, I just tremble to think what... Um, what would have happened if I had not decided to let other people carry my books out and return them every week? Because mm-hmm. I remember a family that lived here and the mom came in and I said something about, well, have you read Little House on the Prairie? And she said, no, what is that? Um, and that was so shocking oh, to my. me that a child, that someone yeah. would grow up and not know a pretty staple children's series. (laughs) And I started seeing, and it's even worse today. I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and yet the work continues. Mm -hmm. I mean, Emily and I just cannot get tired Mm -hmm. of taking the mother, so to speak by the hand and saying, let me show you what can happen in your home when your children start reading these kind of books. Um, just about a year ago, we had a mom come in and her children didn't like to read. Um, the mom didn't know any basic yeah. book as I, you know, so it, it's just gotten worse right. and worse. Right. You know, the statistics you read about people not reading today, um, it's, it's gotten shockingly worse. Um, but to see a year later, those little girls come in, you know, they're like five and seven now. And all excited. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any more books like mm-hmm. Freddie the Pig? Do you have any more books like this and yes. that? And, <laughs> you know, they are not the same apathetic children that came in a year ago. 
that a light turned on for them. And I was at an event the other night with a whole bunch of classical school families and some homeschool families. And they said, this is a really weird thing you're doing. (laughs) None of them are surprised. I've been (laughs) been doing book clubs in our area um, for many, many years. So nobody's surprised, but everybody's like, it's weird. And I said, right. And and all of these classical (laughs) school moms had previously been homeschool moms. They're like, see, we don't need to join your library because we have all these books. Mm. And I said, I know you do. But all those other young moms, they don't. And they don't even know what those books are. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Trying to find them on Amazon, mm-hmm. on eBay, on BookFinder, these things, they don't exist. The, the library book sales are devoid, largely devoid of the good books. What yeah. would these moms do if they couldn't get access to these books? They're like, oh, you're right. And I said, we're watching the libraries burn yeah. and throw these books away. We're watching these books go out of the collective mm-hmm. consciousness of, of our culture. We need to continue to, to preserve and protect these good, true and beautiful books and let them live on in the minds and hearts of children. And if we don't start taking a stand and rescuing these books and making them available, that can't happen. And the moms are like, Oh, mm-hmm. I get it. And I said, look, all of us are called to called to stand up in this culture in a particular way. This is how I'm called. I am called because I understand the books. I'm called to be with the books. And I said, this is how I push back against the darkness mm-hmm. is to let these young families come in and, and read and have community with each other. I've had, I've only been open since May and I have 21 families and they all are telling their friends. And so it's growing very organically, right. very quickly. And almost all of them have joined. I've had like six of them join and say, I don't need the books. I need the clubs. I need the history club. I need the book clubs. <laughs> I need the fellowship for my kids where they're going to go hang out with other kids who read. And it's not weird. So it's been so interesting to me to see all these families come in and be like, oh, I'll have a book club up in my dining room. And I've got 15 kids sitting around the table talking about 101 Dalmatians. And there are 11 parents in the library downstairs hanging out for an hour and a half talking about Charlotte Mason and why you can't outsource math and all this cool stuff that's happening because because Amy Harbach's there. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Amy's down there saying to the mom, stop, try to outsource oh. your math. And um, the moms are down there bonding. And then they start sneaking up the stairs with their knitting bags and they start saying, can I join the book club? And they start participating, which is its own fun thing. But it's just this, this culture. Well, I think it's magical with books because in our culture, we are becoming more and more like only able to converse with people who are just like us, who think just like us. I think what books do is they open our minds to so much more, right? Like we get to experience life as people who live very differently than us, think very differently than us. And that automatically opens our eyes. That's so true. In addition to that, one of the other things that books do is it draws us into a common intimacy. It breaks down the, I don't know you, but I know these same characters as you. So I know something about you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I was excited to be on a program called Plumfield because yeah. I spent hours and hours and days of my life at Plumfield with Joe March oh, <laughs> when I was a little yes. girl, you know, and so just a name yes. evokes so much. 
you know. So much. Like you know something about somebody simply because of the characters they love. And we live in such a lonely culture and such a divided culture and tribalism is a way of life for so many. And these books will (laughs) be the best indoctrination for our children to become large hearted and generous (laughs) and understanding (laughs) and just and you know, um, because they are being exposed to true things, even in fiction that allow them to see people in a different way than it looks Mm -hmm. in their own home or in their own city. Yeah. Amen. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Large hearted holding our collection of books that we have to educate our children to that is not what the gospel tells us to do with anything that we value. Right. And so I think that is so telling that those of us who, who love books in this way, we also want to share and create that love and are generous to let them go out to other people's and mom to that conversation in our, (laughs) our third library location um, with Lisa Ripperton, another person who helped us on our journey. Oh, so much. Yeah, she just had a vision. I think you guys are going to help make it happen of a library in every county in this yeah. country. And I just look <laughs> at how many are just popping up, popping yes. up like every week, it seems, and more and yes. more and more. Um, that, like, I kind of was dubious that that was maybe a reality, but I think it is. The only thing, where are all the Where books? are the books? You know, they were becoming more right. scarce when we were collecting them. And imagine doing that 20 years later. But I mean, thankfully, so many are being right. reprinted, but still. Right. That's the, I mean, it's a different game now, right? Because the books are gone. And this is where, when we're buying these, we're actually going to the small publishers and we're buying the reprints. And so we're paying 14 or 20 or $25 mm-hmm. per book, which you would think yeah. would make us feel like they're even more precious. But I don't, I don't. I think this is by putting our money into mm-hmm. small businesses, small is beautiful. We are supporting the economy in a meaningful way that we are giving back by investing in small publishers that are investing in our culture. And it it becomes an organism that works, I think. it's um, We are finding ways to support each other, to live in but not of the world. And so praise God for the small publishers. We are big fans <laughs> of them. I also think, though, that we're just going to have to be content with smaller libraries yes. because you don't have to have yeah. 15,000 books in order to be doing a service for the children in your county. And and in Wyoming, we don't, you know, we don't even have that many. We have 23 counties and only 500,000 people. Mm-hmm. We may not need a 15,000 mm-hmm. book library in every county. But if you can't find the books, find the ones you can and share those. And the libraries can share with each other. Yes. We have always experienced books to be magnets. Like as soon as people find out that you are collecting books, I think the Lord to multiply, you know, um, far, far beyond what you could ever expect to find. And even now, like I, I live 30 minutes from the library and I also hate taking books out of circulation if I'm going to use them for my kids. And so I've collected books and I'm still like books are coming to me that I am not even going out intentionally looking for like we used to for the library. And we have several thousand here at my house. And my mother-in-law just decided to call her library. And I went up there on Saturday and she <laughs> gave me a hardcover with a dust jacket of Straight Edge and Shadow by Julia Diggin, who is it's one of my favorite books ever. It's a story of geometry. And I fell in love with math because of reading this book as a 20 something year old. So I think that, you know, as 
retirees, you know, sell off their library and move into smaller homes, oh. that they'll, they'll keep resurfacing <laughs> at ways we just need to be diligent in seeking them out and they'll find us. I have had yeah. um, dads, I've had dads and moms come into the library and say, oh, I think my dad has a whole box of yeah. these in the attic that I grew <laughs> up on or whatever. And so they are still around. They're just hidden and maybe not found in the same public places that they used to be. And just a couple of months ago, someone who used to be part of our library 15 years ago called and said, can I bring you some books and a whole truckload? I mean, wow. I'm still trying to sort through all of them. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I found uh, somebody was listing landmarks on Facebook Marketplace, and I reached out to him, and he's in Minnesota, so he's about six hours from me. And I said, I know you said local only. I just want to make sure. I said, I run a library. This is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And he went back and forth with me saying, I really don't want to ship. You know, I'm in in my 70s. Don't want to go to the post office. I said, okay, all right. And I was mentioning to the library ladies that we're friends with, and Kathleen Seeger said, Sarah, I'm I'm gonna be like driving past his house. If he can wait two Aww. weeks, I, I can go get him for you. So Ed and I and Kathleen went back and forth. And then he said, I looked at your website and I'm really thrilled. So I'm just gonna give you these 30 books. That is amazing. 30 landmarks, just Kathleen came, went and got them, and he just sent them to, for, to me for free. So I bought donor plate cards to put in in memory of his wife. Oh, I mean, isn't that amazing? Oh, that's wonderful. And also not surprising. Like, I mean, we hear these things. We've had these things happen to us over and over and over. Always surprising, but it shouldn't be because this is what happens. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think our biggest work now, though, is in getting people into the library and, you know, in a culture where you talk about books, they just kind of roll their eyes like their kids are all on um, electronics, you know, and screens are so much quicker satisfaction and immediate. But we live in such a high stress culture and you read all kinds of books. You could go into any, you you find one of these books and you can find a hundred on Amazon about slowing down the pace, slowing down your life, getting out of the rush and the hustle and all of that. Well, nothing does that for you like a book does. And if we could just get the momentum going with parents that if you want things to calm down and your children to start engaging yeah. in real conversations, yeah. if you want to feel like a family again, let's start doing books again. You know, C.S. Lewis has that wonderful story in Surprised by Joy about his own childhood and the home full of books that were just everywhere piled. It definitely affected him. You know, we have um, probably the most famous children's series of all time as a result of a child who was raised with books uh, he definitely gave it back, but yes, exactly. you know, that is not a common thing yeah. anymore. And I'm always saying, if you want your children to love books, you're going to have to um, teach them what they're going to love, not what they do love right now. And they need to see you reading. They need you to read to them and they need to make sure that, you know, you need to make sure that you're teaching them how to make books a part mm-hmm. of their life. It's going to be an effort. 
Yeah. Yes. And I love what you're saying that they need to see us reading because I think that's true on so many levels. But I think it's also particularly true for future librarians. One of the things you can be doing now is read all the books because it's everybody asks when they come in the library, have you read every book in this library? <laughs> oh, yes. We hear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not yet, but we're working on it. Um, the best thing you can do is to spend your time read, 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 because you'll be refining your taste and you'll be opening your mind to what is and is not good and true and beautiful. Right. So I know a lot of listeners are going to be curious. You said get all of your books cataloged. How do you catalog yours and, and where does that live and how does that work for you? So um, we are still kind of old school because we started this way back in the day before online catalogs were really a thing that we could have and not were in our location. So we have an old, old copy of Michelle Howard's original database and we've got the data and we put it into a database program. And then a man from our church um, wrote us a program and it has been a pain ever since because we have, every time we need a new computer, we have to always, it's something breaks and we have to go find somebody who can fix it for us. Um, but yeah, so we just have it on our computer for the library and people, you know, can email us and say, Hey, do you have these books? Or I would like books on this topic and I will pull a stack and have them come and do that. But we have never had our catalog accessible online. And part of that was a little strategic, like part of it was necessity, but as we went along and had opportunity to put it online, and we've been asked many, many times over the years. We never have because we want people coming in and looking at the books because what we have found over and over, and I think the case is even, it's more the case now, people know the books that are on book lists and they know the books that have been recommended and they don't know all of the tens of thousands of other amazing books that, you know, so if they come in and they want to look at my insect shelves, you know, they're going to come and browse and they're going to, oh, I, I just knew about this book that's on my current re reading list, but there's, oh, there's this one and this and this. So, and then that's it, the magic happens, right? And so we would never want to discourage people from coming in and actually browsing for books. And even when I pull books for people, I try to always be like, is there anything else? Can I show you where that is? Um, so, so yeah, that has been a key part of our library. And I think has really expanded people's ideas and taste those patrons in our library of what, what they have available to them goes back to the early days in Michelle's library. And I used to be so overwhelmed because I'd say, I, we, my son wants some books on rocks. And before I knew it, I'd have a stack of 25 books and she would just flit around the lot. Now, I personally now understand some of her motivation because you literally don't have room for all the books that you own. So as many as you can send out the door, the better. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we can't read them. We don't care. Just take them. Store them at your house. <laughs> Everybody asks that all, all the time in all the groups, right? How do I like fit all the books? And, and the librarians just keep saying, check them out. You check them out. out. Make them go. <laughs> you don't discover things sometimes until they're put in your hand. And looking at lists online is not informative. Looking, opening a book and reading one paragraph in your heart skips a beat. That is what pulls people into reading the books. Uh, We're collecting illustrators, favorite illustrators that aren't on anybody's book list, but I have come to know and love just because they illustrated a lot of my favorite books that I've read, you know? 
Right, right. Or I think about my flat tops, which is in terrible condition. I bought it for like $12 in a, in destroyed condition. And I thought, no, this tells its own story. That's how loved this book is, that I'm willing to have something this ugly on my shelf because the content is that good. One of our last landmarks, I think, was CB's at the time. And I read the description. It was like, text block separated from cover. And I was like, I mean, normally I would not buy a book that had this description, but I'm like, it's a really good price. It's one of my last landmarks. And I'm like, I have seen so many books from that era of landmark where they're glued in, like, you know, they, they stopped putting the little piece of cloth to connect the text block to the the cover. And I'm like, I can fix that with hinge tape. I'm I'm good. So I got it. And it it, is like the cover was perfect. The text block was perfect. They just were disconnected. And so... (laughs) Sometimes as you get experience fixing books, you know what to expect and what you're capable of repairing. Well, I've actually gone to thrift stores and bought books that were totally destroyed, but that were from like the 1920s or 30s specifically to practice on. Mm. I thought, hey, if I save the book, I mean, I'm not going to feel badly learning how to use hinge tape on a book that was already trashed. And there's a chance that I might save the book. So... And then, then you know how to work with old stuff too. So there you go. We've always wanted to write a book about the stories that we've gotten just from collecting books because we have found clippings in books. We have found notes um, and they tell the, a story too. I mean, we found, was it in one of our books that um, someone wrote to the, the librarian and said, I'm so sorry, this book is 30 years overdue. Because when I was little, I lied to my parents and didn't said I didn't know where it was. And I hid it in my mattress and read it for years so I could have it to myself. And now I'm returning it to you. And then, of course, they discarded it and we got it. <laughs> but the librarian must have loved it because she kept the note in the book, right, before they discarded it. It was like, you know, here, this book is returned. I'm going to keep the note from this child who is now an adult who loves this book so much. (laughs) One time I remember a freezing, bitterly cold day crawling around in this horrible flea market. We went back with all these wonderful gloves. Yeah. It was so nasty. There, there were birds flying around. And so there was all kinds of excrement on these books, but we didn't care. It was, we found some great treasures in there. I think it was my Florence Nightingale signature with the dust jacket that I found there. And it wasn't good shape. It just was like needed to be vacuumed off and cleaned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a story behind every story practically in our library. Like so many books are special to us just by the way we found yeah. them. Yeah. Or who gave them to us. <laughs> <laughs> And that's really part of the story of these libraries is that they are curated with great love. And so those books, they're they're all there for a reason. It's not like you're walking into a library where somebody was just buying off of a generic list or something. It's, it's passion driven. Well, ladies, it has been so generous of you to spend your time with us like this. I know it's precious. You're very busy. And uh, this has been like gold. (laughs) Oh, it's our pleasure. We could talk library stories for hours. (laughs) We hope that um, your tribe increases and we hope that libraries increase. Yeah. 
I guess I just would want to encourage people to not be afraid. Um, don't think you have to have the perfect house. We lived in 900 square feet with six people, four of whom were almost adults at the time. Um, three of us were, and two very rambunctious young, young boys. When we moved here, Emily was not kidding when she said nobody used living books in their schooling. Everyone we knew did curriculum out of a box. And this was before, you know, the online world for homeschoolers really exploded too. But there are now, is it four other libraries just in our, in the next counties to mm-hmm. us? Wow. That's tremendous. And all of you are in need. Yes. Yes. Good for everybody if the libraries increase. And I was thinking too, smaller libraries, but more of them, we can set up our own interlibrary loans too. There's so many options. Yeah. But it was so lovely to chat with you guys. Thank you so much for coming, ladies. (laughs) It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Nice to meet you. You too. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much. God bless you, ladies. 